In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in June of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that our friend Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey Weems. Aloha no. Aloha no. Uh, how are you feeling right now? I'm okay. Okay. Good. That's good to hear. Um, in our last episode, we talked about pain and um, and our humanity. I uh, there, there was something that you mentioned to us, I think on a couple of occasions that you said you are okay. You can handle your own death, but not others. Can we talk about that a little bit in this episode? Sure. Um, it's a weird dynamic. And I guess one reason why is I have the good fortune of having experiences that make me completely unafraid of death. I'm completely unafraid. But I know others have not. And so that worries me when they when they tell me that they're that they're facing a situation where they could die. Um, and I think also it's just the just the automatic reaction and it kind of I'm kind I'm really glad that when people have expressed sorrow when I've told them about my situation that the main thing I try to do is I try to assure them, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm fine. Um, but that when it came my turn, when somebody tells me that I was just as bad as they were, you know, <laughs> I was going, Oh, this is terrible. Oh. <clears throat> so I have a, a degree of sympathy with them, you know, or empathy that I'm reacting just like that when it's not me. If it's me, it's like, oh, okay. Is that, uh, uh, if someone, so you're more concerned for people who don't have the comfort of not being afraid of transitioning, that that's where your concern is coming? That's part of it. The other part of it is just the natural reaction that we have, whether it's culturally infused into us or however, our reaction is to show alarm. And I think that that probably goes back as long as we've been human, maybe even before um, that, you know, we react to that when, when someone in the tribe is hurt, we have a tribal identity. And when that means that when they're hurt, we're hurt. And if somebody is dying, that hurts us, the, the living as well. You know, I'm going to go back to pain now, now that you said that <clears throat> uh, okay. I'm going to go back to pain for just a minute because I, I think maybe that's part of where the 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 macho well I, I'm not going to label this strictly as a male thing, but the urge to hide your pain and say no I'm fine, um, maybe that comes from that sort of cave mentality of I don't want to get kicked out of the cave because I'm not fit, I want to be valuable to my to my team, and the flip side of that is we automatically show so much care and concern for others who are in pain and have a hard time coming to terms with our own. And mm -hmm. maybe, okay. So say, same for death. Do you feel like people, um, if I'm a complete uh, agnostic, I have no 
uh, or atheist. I have no uh, belief in an afterlife or uh, anything awaiting me. Um, do you believe that that matters to me no. ultim- ultimately when I cross? Okay. No, I don't think it matters one bit. Um, and I'll explain why. The most sacred thing that we have besides love in our lives is the relationship that we have with the universe. And that is extremely personal. And nobody can tell us how to parse it out, how to understand it. We do that on our own. And if we choose to do it through a religion, that's our right. If we choose to do it without, with no religion at all, if we choose to be angry with the universe, that's our right. We have every right because it's our relationship. And, you know, could be the universe was really, really, you know, terrible to us. And, you know, and, and so that the feelings are not unfounded. I just happen to have a pretty good working relationship that, that over the years has developed um, a, a relationship of trust, which is, as I mentioned earlier before, which is why I don't believe in faith. Because faith is, as St. Paul says, uh, belief in things unseen. And for me, I'm really skeptical. And the things I've seen confirm for me that I'm loved, confirm for me that when I die, everything will be okay. So it's not a matter of, oh, I don't have faith that, you know, this, no, that, that makes no, that makes about as much sense to me as surrender. Neither of those terms make sense to me. Surrender in the, could you clarify your use of the word surrender in, uh, in this discussion? I've had friends tell me, you should just surrender to whatever's going to happen to you. And I said, no. <laughs> um, the only thing, I, and I've mentioned this before, I think some earlier podcasts, the thing, I, I will surrender to pleasure. That's an easy one. I will, if, if I am seduced by a song on the dance floor and I just I run out to dance because I can't help myself because the song has snagged me and grabbed me and pulled me out there to move. That's the beautiful kind of surrender, but that's the only kind of surrender I believe in. I hope you won't take offense when I say that I think that you're very good at surrender and you're modeling it in that. Um, it sounds like I'm trying to offend you after what you just said, but, <laughs> no, I'm not, no, 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 I, uh, but I feel like you have, you say that this is my diagnosis. This is where I am. I have pain today. I, I know who's going to take Kit Kat after I pat, you know, to me, all of those feel like, you have surrendered to to what is happening at your and then moving from there from a place of surrender i yes i have this disease these are the things that are going to happen to me medically and i'm going to structure as much as i can in the way that i want it around that i think i got the key surrender is passive and for me I actively embrace all that's happening. That's why it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think of the story that somebody told about Dan Inoy when he died, um, that his, he, he watched as um, a, uh, a butcher would get like a, uh, um, a I think it was a koi, some, some kind of fish, and the fish would struggle up until the moment when it would have his heads chopped off, and then it, then it would become calm. And that that's what uh, Dan Inouye was when, on the moment just before he died, was that he just, he just surrendered. He just said, okay, that's it. I've done everything. I'm done. Um, 
I understand that, but that's not the way I work. Uh, okay, thank you for clarifying that. I think of surrender as an active term. Okay, then, yeah. That I act, and maybe it would be better for me to use the word accept, I, that they're, um, I think of them synonymously. Well, it's I mean, even more so, is participate. It's not merely, it, it, I'm not fighting against anything. I'm not, they say, fight the cancer. No, I'm not fighting against anything. Um, I, 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 acceptance is part, is part of, well, I, I accept the reality, but you know, that's kind of like what you have to do in this world. You accept the reality of everything. Uh, but it's like, I, I actively and wholeheartedly participate. If this cancer is going to kill me, woohoo, let's go. <laughs> uh, okay, so I get it. It's worked out pretty well. <laughs> I get what you're saying now. Yeah. <clears throat> I, uh, and I'm trying to think of a quote that you will probably know, and it's something about um, all man's problems uh, are from his inability to accept. What? Oh, it's from that Wayne Dyer book. That's like 30 days of brilliant quotes from people. Wisdom through the ages is the book. Now I'm going to have to dig in there and see if I can find it. But yeah, the moment you fight with reality, that is just going to be your misery. Since um, uh, I think uh, it's really handy for you that you studied so much philosophy at this stage, <laughs> since you've said that, or Socrates said that, um, uh, what is it? So Socrates said that philosophy is training for death. Can what? we explore that a little bit more? Okay, well, let's, let's put that in other cultural contexts. Uh, supposedly there's a hadith that is a saying assigned to uh, the messenger in Islam, to Muhammad. And the hadith goes like this, die before you die. I think that the two are related because uh, Islamic thought is really closely linked with Hellenistic thought, with, with Greek thought. The two intersect all over the place. The Muslim thinkers studied the Greeks. So you can see that in the way that they expand on the Quran. And I think you can actually, if you look closely enough, you can find it in the Quran itself that Muhammad himself when he was doing the revelations, had been exposed to these things, and it comes forth within the way that the book, the book is set forth, or what became the book when when the the verses came forth from him. That there there's this there's a Hellenistic air to them. So yeah, um, with what Socrates said about that, I, I want to also put that in contradistinction with what um, uh, Grace Jansen said that greek philosophy roman thinking all the way up to christian thinking is what, what she called necrophilic she said there's this obsession with death that's dangerous for humanity that may, that may be one of the consequences of this thinking and she also traces it to the overbearing um, toxic masculinity that tends to come through it um so this, the, you know, talking about die before you die and, you know, philosophy is preparation for death. Um, would, it needs to be balanced because what, uh, what Grace Jansen, she was this genius. She was an awesome philosopher, theologian, a Canadian, I believe. Um, she said that we need to be natalic. In other words, dealing with birth, which includes death. She said we must have this balance because right now, but the way we're thinking, we have moments like the moment when um, Fidel Castro was asked if at some moment the U.S. had decided to invade Cuba, 
would he have launched the um, nuclear missiles against the U.S., knowing that this would lead to the destruction of all of humankind? And his answer was yes. And because it also would have been the destruction of Cuba. Um, and that's that's madness. That's insanity. And Fidel Castro was not, strictly speaking, an insane human. But some form of insanity has infected the way that we think as humans, our leadership. And I, I do assign it to toxic masculinity because I don't think a woman would do that. I think one reason why women are kept out of the power structure is because women will not risk the lives of others in order to gain power. They, they tend not to. I'm not going to say all women. But there's this tendency for women to, um, to nurture. If you want a woman to do something and she says no and you threaten her child, she'll do it. My mother would in a heartbeat. She would bite the bullet. She would, you know, whatever she needed to do, tell her she would do it. It wouldn't matter because we come first and foremost. Men don't, um, men in power, I should put it that way, don't think that way. Or I should say too many men in power don't think that way. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we we see that every day. We see it a lot in our current uh, world theater. That um, that's how, and unfortunately, that's how they rise to power. And I mean, look at how many a holes are billionaires, because you got to be a little bit of an a hole to become a billionaire. That's how you build it. That just shakes me. So what, so what do the philosophers say that are going to get us through this? Aristotle. Aristotle says that when you are a doctor, there's the primary thing that you do as a doctor, which is to heal. Then there's the accidental, the reputation you get, and maybe the money you get. That's accidental. That's secondary. That's not your primary thing. Um, we... And I'm, he mentions it because I think he was admonishing the people of his time, telling them, remember the primary, don't go for the accidental, don't go for the reputation or the money that comes with doing the right thing or being an expert or helping humanity. That lesson still holds true today. That we hope that is what people would do. And he, and he gave us the key to get out of that. <laughs> I'm going to do a little bit of a stretch here. Okay. So, so just okay. bear with me. Okay. Okay. Um, in talking about theater, because when uh, Aristotle talks about art, he specifically deals with theater, drama, right? Comedies, tragedy. And he said, comedy began with the phallic procession. In other words, when the Greeks would walk around with these huge uh, images of erect penises, that, that that was hilarious. Well, it still is. I mean, today we still laugh at it. Um, that is one way to take a powerful man and knock him down to size. What do we call him? We call him uh, a different word for penis, right? Uh, that's, that's an insult, and we mean that. Um, and powerful men get insulted really, really quickly. It's, it's really easy to get them butt hurt. If you, if you question them, if, if all of a sudden you're not fearing them you're laughing at them so i think that when aristotle said that about the phallic procession the you can look at that and you can eventually link it around to looking at doing your job for the primary purpose for the serving of humanity rather than the accidental whatever you're going to get out of it um, because getting whatever you're going to get out of it to, to, to promote yourself to go ahead 
is the primary feature of toxic masculinity. It didn't, it didn't help so much when we all laughed at Donald Trump. When all of us, and let me just say, for anyone listening who's not a screaming liberal like I am, I, um, uh, I'm running this podcast, so I get to say that. <laughs> Honestly, it doesn't mean I don't care for someone else as a person when they have different views, but I'm going to use Donald Trump as an example, because that's the most glaring one that I can think of, that he um, sometimes said and did things that were... Um, ridiculed and it seemed to just multiply the the what he was saying and doing he just hit it harder yeah trump did not act alone Mm. in the same way that hitler did not act alone Mm. okay these are the vehicles by which other powerful people powerful men were trying to get what they want we could name Mitch McConnell. We could name Vladimir Putin. We could name the uh, Prime Minister of Hungary. We could name any number of people that used him and promoted him and you know did, did things for him to try to get him ahead. Um, he couldn't have done it on, on his own. Um, he, he was always skirting the law. He's a serial rapist. He um, a crook in so many ways. Um, a terrible human being that because he was easily manipulated. Let, 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 let's not talk about his genius by any stretch of the imagination. Because they could manipulate him, that he, you know, they, they, they pushed him to the very top. I mean, from what I understand, Vladimir Putin could not stand to be around him. He just did it to use him because he thought, because, because honestly, he thought that Trump was so stupid. He had to explain to him, for example, where Ukraine is, or any, any of the basic things that, uh, you know, that an educated person would know. Um, was beyond Trump. He did not know these things, and he did not try to know them. So here's a case of somebody being set up. Now, the dynamics are interesting in that because what we see is a form of fascism, which is what we saw with Hitler. So we're seeing, we're seeing the dynamics now, and it's a great opportunity for us to learn. We can learn from this and possibly come out stronger, which is what I'm hoping. Within, I would say, we don't have very long to do it, I would say we have seven years. And I do have faith that we can do it. I, I, think, I think it's quite possible. Well, I, I uh, respect you. So if you say that you believe it's possible, then I want to know more. I, have, I struggle with it myself. I struggle with feeling confident when I look at the state of where we are now. And you have, you have just by virtue of... Uh, um, where you are physically, you have a different perspective. Thank you. And um, let, let's not let the Democrats off the hook. Okay? Mm. <laughs> the compromises, the, the, the backroom deals, whatever else that they've been doing, because I honestly think I agree with people that much more could have been done. Um, that, that is not happening in terms of environment, in terms of uh, weapons of mass destruction in our streets. Um, all these things, the, the Democrats could have done more. Um, so I'm not, I'm, yes, they are the party that represents many of the things I believe in, but come on, step up. Mm. Every, everybody has to step up. It's not just the Republicans, it has to be the Democrats too, in my opinion. Uh, we, just, we just have a few minutes left, um, uh, but I want to ask, is there, uh, as long as I've known you, you've been a man of conviction. You've thought out what you believe in and um, 
and are firm in those beliefs. Is there anything you've changed your mind about over the last 12 months with your diagnoses? I've realized what a jerk I am. <gasps> Why do you think you're a jerk? <laughs> because I can see it. <laughs> see, that's the thing is if you're honest, you got to be honest all the way. And so, but it, it, it's good because I'm able to see this and hopefully rectify it so that the people I love can say, oh, you know, yeah, they're not apologizing for me. Well, that would just make you, you know, uh, no, 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 no. But they can actually honestly say, okay, he, you know, he was a good guy. He, he did the best he could. That's what I want. I'm, I'm kind of like um, any number of politicians who started out on one side that was really ignorant, but managed to educate themselves and come to the other side. So I'm, 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 I'm for example, Joe Biden, <laughs> he has some really, some horrible views in the past um and now it looks like he is he's come around in my opinion for for my politics he's doing real well can he do better oh yeah i'm not 100 percent happy with anybody at this state i hear you but you know there's road work going on everywhere around this state and i know people have had their student loans forgiven <laughs> yeah because of joe joe biden just very quietly has made a lot a lot better for us Okay, I but um, I uh, I still wonder. Um, well, I got one minute to go, but um, what we're, we're going to come back to it. I'm going to make a note to come back to y- you thinking that y- you you see clearly that you're a jerk sometimes, and you're working on rectifying that because we're not done with that conversation, Mickey. Okay. <laughs> thank you is there anything is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with today um i just want to let people know that i am not a pollyanna on ter- in terms of politics um i do know that uh democratic leadership their feet need to be held to the fire big time because they are dropping the ball in so many ways at a moment when they could really 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 push for things be aggressive to get things done for to, to help save humanity to save this nation and they're they're not they're the typical complaint, right? On that note, Mickey, thank you so much. Great talking to sure. you. <laughs> I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying. <laughs>